In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters uh, of the table, we have good news today. Uh, good news that though it seems hidden in the midst of our groaning for redemption, the kingdom of God is here and growing among us. God's spirit is groaning with us, working with us and through us for good in all things. It's almost become a cliche to say so, but uh, such are the times we live through, or we're living through a great time of upheaval. Uh, the groaning of creation gone wrong has, uh, that's always been present there, uh, has come very close to the surface of our lives. Uh, we've got a global pandemic that is wreaking havoc on our bodies and our economy. Uh, we're feeling the fatigue and loneliness of um, being isolated from each other uh, for long periods of time. Uh, we're grieving right now the loss of our normal back to school rituals. Um, everything's going to kind of ramp up to be the same. <laughs> for a little while at least um, and uh, we're seeing just a, a lot of things happening in our culture that mean that uh, the poor are going to be paying the highest price uh, in all of this as usual. Um, obviously we're also uh, wrestling with a new awareness of centuries of systemic and brutal racism, violence from authorities commissioned to serve and protect. All of this stuff is uh, closer to our awareness than perhaps it has been in the past. But in another way, this is how it's always been. Um, as Paul wrote to the Romans that creation has always been groaning uh, for redemption. It's always been longing to be freed, going through labor pains and longing for redemption. And I think the question uh, that lies before us today as we read these passages and we see what's going on in our world is how can we maintain hope in the midst of such agony and heartache. How can we say, as we do, that the resurrection of Jesus has changed everything when the world is still such a mess? Where is this kingdom of God? <laughs> this question seems to be uh, on people's hearts and minds as uh, and they pose it to Jesus. Uh, and, you know, the, the implied message here is, you know, great, you're healing people, you're casting out demons, but if the, God's kingdom is really coming through you, then why is our world still such a mess? Why are these Romans still oppressing us? Why is their boot still on our neck? And Jesus answers in parables. He says, well, the kingdom of God, you see, is like a little mustard seed. It's like a little bit of yeast uh, that goes into the lump of dough. It's small. It's barely perceptible at first. You might miss it, but it grows and it becomes a tree and the birds can gather in its branches. It becomes permeated through the whole lump of dough. It's like a treasure in a field or a merchant that's looking for fine pearls. The most valuable thing is actually hidden from plain sight, but it's recognized by those who see its value and those who seek it. It's like a dragnet that gathers in all kinds of fish, both good and bad, but it gets sorted out later. It gets sorted out at the end. And so this was a fundamental paradigm shift for the people listening to Jesus' parables, and it's a fundamental paradigm shift for us. It's a total redefinition of what it means to be God, of what it means to be sovereign, of what God's kingdom looks like. And Paul picks up this theme in our passage that we read from Romans. God doesn't work in the way that we expect often. He doesn't work like a CEO or a king like we would expect, telling people what to do, taking charge, making things happen, busting heads, showing them who's boss. 
That's not how it works. Instead, it's always been God's desire to work through those that he created in his image, human beings. Creation's freedom comes, as we read, as we heard from Romans, creation's freedom comes when God's children are revealed and glorified. And this is, of course, gloriously fulfilled in Jesus, the human one. Uh, and now it's a vocation that's given to us, all of us who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. So this means for us that when the world is going through great convulsions, as it is now, our job is not to speculate about why this is happening. Our job is not to find a scapegoat to blame for this or just cross our fingers and hope that God sorts it out soon. Rather, as followers of Jesus, our vocation is to be people of prayer in the place where the world is in pain. People of prayer in the place where the world is in pain. Paul lays out in our passage from Romans a threefold groaning. He says that three different things are groaning in this passage. First, he says that creation is groaning. It's longing for freedom from its bondage to decay. And then he says the church is groaning. The church is, we, we who have the spirit, we groan inwardly as we, as well as creation, along with creation, long for redemption. We don't lash out as the church. We don't explain as the church. We don't hide anxiously as the church. No, we groan inwardly with creation as the church. So our call is to allow the groaning of creation to touch us and to give ourselves over to this wordless groaning when we see the gap between how things are and the way things that God has promised that they will be. But as Paul says, we don't know how to pray. We're at a loss for words. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to pray for this. This feels like all like it's too much. It's like going through an exile. It's kind of like fasting. It's this moment where we don't know. and We have to enter into the darkness of not knowing, of not being in control. But here's the mystery, and this is the third groaning. That if we give ourselves over to this groaning, if we allow ourselves to be touched with the groaning of creation, we refuse to numb ourselves to it or distract ourselves from it, it's at this very moment that we groan with creation, that we find ourselves caught up into the triune life of God, because this is the third groaning. At that very moment, when we find ourselves groaning, not knowing what to say or what to do, that's the moment that we find God himself, God the Spirit, groaning with us, groaning within us, groaning within creation, within the world, without words. Friends, though it seems hidden in the midst of our groaning for redemption, the kingdom of God is here and it's growing among us. God's spirit is groaning within us, working with us and through us for good in all things. Friends, this is our vocation then as the people of God, as followers of Jesus, to be a people of prayer at the place where the world is in pain. At those moments when we shake with anger at the injustice that we see when we weep for the generational trauma that's been inflicted on people of color for centuries, when we ache with loneliness and grief at our loss of connection that this pandemic has brought, when words fail and all we can do is groan, we're entering into the life of God in those moments because this is how the spirit is present with us and with creation. 
It's how God is present. It's how God is sovereign. <laughs> we have a groaning God. And this isn't to, to say that we're a people of prayer here in this moment. It isn't to put a quick kind of easy Bible band-aid on things, the problems of the world. This isn't a flimsy thoughts and prayers that we post online to try to tell people that, you know, we're on the right side of all these things. Actually being a people of prayer means we're participating in the life of God, the life of a groaning God. This is allowing ourselves to feel the agony of the world and allowing it to, allowing it to pull us into weeping and groaning. And the promise here is that as we do this, the spirit groans with us and pulls us all into new creation through the groaning. That tiny kingdom seed grows every time we allow ourselves to groan with God's spirit. And this kind of prayer will inevitably lead to other concrete actions. You need not worry about that. But for us as Christians, all of those actions are rooted in this groaning wordless prayer with the spirit. And friends, there's so much more we could say about it. I don't have time, but this is how God works all things together for good. That's how he does this. He works with those he loves. That's us. To, in all things to bring about good. He works through the groaning, through our prayers. As we give ourselves over to this groaning prayer, God works for good with us and through us. And this is why Paul can say, in the midst of his own persecution, in famine, in violence, that we are more than conquerors. We are completely victorious. Friends, even in these moments, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the intercession of Jesus unveil and make present to us the love which goes deeper than all the forces of the universe. So take heart, friends. The tiny seed is growing. The yeast is making its way through the dough. There is a treasure in the field, and nothing can separate us from God's love. Brothers and sisters, though it seems hidden in the midst of our groaning for redemption, the kingdom of God is here and among us, and it is growing among us. God's spirit is groaning within us, working with us and through us for good in all things. So how do we respond to this? Well, we become people of prayer. I notice uh, within myself when I'm disturbed or upset by what's happening in the world, um, which, you know, there's lots of opportunities <laughs> nowadays to be disturbed and upset. When I notice what's happening in my life or in the world and I'm disturbed and upset by it, I find myself tempted to avoid groaning in at least three different ways. One way is apathy. Uh, there's an apathy that wants to ignore the bad things, to just turn away, to numb out, to do what I can to just avoid, my aware, avoid being aware of the groaning of creation, avoid being aware of the bad things and the things that disturb me. So apathy is one of my temptations. Another one is anxiety that frets about what to do about all this. I take on the weight of the world and assume that I've got to do something about this and I, I don't know what to do. And so I, I embrace this anxiety because I think it feels productive, but it's not really. The third temptation I feel is just to indulge anger that wants a scapegoat to punish for all these problems. Anger is a normal response uh, to some of these things, but there is a way that I find myself tempted to indulge that anger and to assume that I'm doing good work if I just can keep angry and, and stay mad about the things that are happening. So friends, the way that I'm responding is I'm, I'm, when I become aware of one of these temptations, one of these things rising up within me, I try to drop 
that activity, the apathy, the anxiety, or the anger, and just allow myself to sink into the agony of groaning with creation, letting myself feel that, allowing it to touch me, trusting that when I do so, there I encounter the groaning God, God the Holy Spirit groaning with us, and I can give myself over to cooperating with God in wordless prayer. I invite you to do the same as we're going to pray together right now. I invite you to groan in prayer. I invite you to offer prayers, and I also invite you to make time to do this regularly by yourself, with others. Join us for morning prayer. Find a place, a time where we can be a people of prayer in the place where the world is in pain. Because friends, though it seems hidden in the midst of our groaning for redemption, the kingdom of God is here and growing among us. God's spirit is groaning with us, working with us and through us for good in all things. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.